Ooh, that looks tasty. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hungry Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And again, we have original Don here with us. So we're just going to dive right in with our rapid fire question. What is your brewed beverage today, Don? So I have come with a Maui Brewing Company Bikini Blonde Lager. Quite good. It's refreshing. It says so on the can. And I ha- it says it's refreshing on the can? It does. Well, that's good. It takes the, uh, the work out of it for you. You don't even have that's to right. think about how you feel. And I have uh, from Fort Point, the Esfizio Italian Style Pilsner, which is, uh, is pretty good. It's pretty light, pretty crisp. I think I'll probably buy it again. And mix it up with my other favorites. We had a massively long episode last time because I hadn't done one in a while. I had lots of stuff to cover. Back more along the lines of what we normally do. This episode where we'll talk about just a few games we've been playing, have coming up, and then we're gonna jump into our, our topic of best and worst crowdfunding campaigns we've been involved with, and then we're gonna talk about our review games today, which is actually a, a trio centered around three sisters and then the other motor city rolling rights but don's gonna tell you all about this i'm not even gonna spoil what the other two are later on all right don we're gonna start with you though what have you been playing recently one of them that is yeah so i was gonna i picked a couple of things i played recently um i just got a chance to play war of the ring which is not something i was seeking out but I was always curious about it because so many people talk about it. It's multiple people's favorite game of all time. Uh, they'll talk about it in the same breath as Star Wars Rebellion as being this amazing, thematic, immersive two-player experience. And oh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, you could be more than one. It's just one person is Mordor and one person is a fellowship. Yeah, I, I think it might have a, a theme variant like Star Wars Rebellion has. But they're they're both clearly designed to be two player games, and I can't imagine wanting to play it in a different mode. Um, yeah, it's one player plays Mordor, one player plays the Fellowship. I thought it was really cool. Um, it's definitely as thematic and immersive um, as everybody says. It really brings kind of the the stories into the game, um, just like Star Wars Rebellion. You can diverge from where the stories go, of course. Um, Except that it does have to be Sam and Frodo that take the ring to uh, Mount Doom Spoiler. and throw it in. Uh, um, so it was great. Um, I think I would still play Star Wars Rebellion over War um, of the Ring, but I'm what also... Do you, what, what do you do? Like what do you game? do? Yeah, so it depends on who you're playing, of course. Uh, uh, who are you? Mordor, I'm assuming you were evil. I played the Fellowship, actually. What? Yeah. Um there's a neat mechanism around the fellowship actually there's a little box on the board and you put all the minis of the companions in there and then the fellowship is just represented by the frodo sam mini that you move around the board and but then you can also on your turn have members of the fellowship break off and go out on their own to do things and then they come out of that little box and they go out on the actual map on the board and so you know if you're the fellowship you're trying to you know gradually move the fellowship to mountain and get the ring into mount doom spoiler i did not get close to that so i did not experience the final effort of getting up the mountain um but that's basically your, your goal there if you're mordor you are of course trying to stop them uh you win if the ring corrupts frodo 
So there's a little track that tracks corruption and Gerudo can be corrupted by various effects. Well, then um, you just give it to Sam. And Sam yes. is uncorruptible. Game over. Right. Yeah, he carries Frodo up the mountain and so on. Um, there's also a like territory controlled victory for each side. If Mordor takes over enough of the lands of the elves and the humans and the, the hobbits and all of that, they win. Um, the Fellowship can conquer enough of Mordor's um, territory to win. Uh, they actually have like half the points they have to get from territory control, but it's harder to do. So it's kind of neat that there's the those extra ways to win, and that is how Mordor won in this game. You know, I did get to kind of almost to, to Mount Doom and then, you know, lost on a territory control um, victory. But it's kind of nice that it's there because I think this game would be a slog if it was only one or the other, corruption or melting the ring. And um, did you play this with the same person you played Rebellion with the other day? or I did, actually, yeah. And so um, what, and what, think, what was their thought? Like, how did they compare the two? You've already spoiled by saying you like Rebellion better. They had the same opinion. I think we both felt like Rebellion was a slightly more interesting experience. Um, I'll say I'm much more of a Star Wars person than a Lord of the Rings person, and I think he's probably the same. Uh, he's He's not quite as old as me. You know, I was born at exactly the right time for Star Wars. I was three years old when it first came out so it's been there my entire life so I mean, how, how many his of, entire, entire life but. how many of the originals did you see in the theater like on first release i mean clearly I not saw, the first one because you were three i remember seeing it in the drive-in i think that was probably on the re-release in like 79 they re-released the movie i saw empire strikes back in the theater i did not see return of the jedi in the theater my parents just never got around to taking us wow so, they did not get parent of the year trophies that year. Yeah. It was quite a an effort to do that because we were living in the mountains at the time. And so it meant like driving two hours down the mountain into the city to go to the movies. Um, so. Were you on Mount Sinai? Like, where were you? Like, this is just in the Sierras in California. It takes a couple hours to get down to the city. So we just never got around to it. I actually read the novelization while it was still in the theater. So I knew the story. And then a while later, like a long time later, I saw the actual movie. So you were like really cool back then reading the movie novelizations. I never really would have put it that way now. <laughs> I felt really a little second class. When, when I was in school, I read a couple movie novelizations and man, I got made so much fun of for it. Like, I, I can't imagine it was more accepting 10 years earlier. You know? No. No, um, but you know, all my friends lived in the mountains too, so it was just as hard for them to go see the movie. So, anyway, that was my youth growing up with Star Wars, and so I have a little more connection to that. Um, I've never really loved the Lord of the Rings novels, not that I've read them all. I, I read the first one and it was a slog, and I never or shame opened the second. Yeah, I'm not a very good geek. Um, no. I you know, I love the the world, I love the story. Uh, this game was very enjoyable. Um, the characters are great. They're well represented in the game. And um, I just, you know, it's a close one, but I would pick Rebellion. Uh, how long did the game take? Do you remember? A couple hours. A couple hours. Yeah. There, there was a moment 45 minutes in where we thought that I won. 
because I was in a space in Mordor and was taking it over and it was enough territory points to win the game. And then we realized that the faction that I'd taken in there wasn't technically at war. So they weren't allowed to cross the border. That's one of the weird mechanics. Like you can't cross into other nations if you're not at war and you have to go around and convince the other nations to go to war. That's fair. You know, you gotta, someone has to be civilized. Yeah, but we were bewildered. We're like, this game is supposed to be really long and it's been 45 minutes and it's over. And then we figured it out. All right. So my first one is I'm going to actually talk about the second one on my list so we can have a little back to back, hot, hot, rolling right action here. And my first one is a Kickstarter that, well, we both backed and you, you were kind enough to print the first five of them for me because my printer doesn't print red right now. And that is Dungeon Pages. And this was a recent Kickstarter. You can get it on a print, a print and play RPG site now. It's a little more expensive, like 20 bucks now. But this is a dungeon crawl, roll and write. And so every week we're getting a complete new PDF as a new character and a new little adventure. And each adventure is just one A4 page. And the top has your character and their little health markers and their abilities, their items that they can get. And the bottom, there will be four or five little grid spaces, which represent each dungeon. When you pick a dungeon, you go into it. And each round, you take however many evil dice there are. It varies by dungeon. And however many good dice you have, which depends on how much experience you have, you roll the dice and you put a number into a grid on the board. And where you can place that number depends on what kind of weapon you have. You start out, you can place one square away orthogonally, and you place the numbers out, and you're slowly moving through the dungeon trying to get to the treasure and fight the monsters that are in there. However, and this is where the game really, really punches you in the brain, is you have to, if you want to get the rewards, if you want to get the experience, and you have to have the experience to get new weapons and the relics and all that, you have to go through the dungeon that calls it sequentially which means every square that's next to another square orthogonally adjacent must be within one of the previous number. So you could have a two, then a three, then a two, then a one, then a two, then a three, then a four, but all within one. If you don't get through the whole dungeon that way, you get nothing. No experience. You don't advance. You do get to pick anything you pick up. You pick up potions and stuff as you go through. But you don't get experience with the monsters that you killed. None of it. And at the same time, you have your health. And when you roll through all the dice, you're looking at the evil dice. And every evil die that reaches whatever the threshold is for the particular monsters in that dungeon, if you're at or over that threshold, every single one of the monsters is still alive. They will activate and they will hurt you. When you're trying to get through all the dungeons, once you get through all the small dungeons, you get to do the big boss dungeon, try to get out without dying. And you're going to die. Like a lot. I've, I've, I just played a game before we started and I didn't even get out of the second dungeon before I died. And so it's very challenging and it's particularly challenging because of the sequential thing. Like you don't even get, even for stuff you kill, you magically don't get experience for. So it's, it's very, very challenging. That said, it's very quick. I play a game, a full game where I get to the final dungeon in about eight minutes super quick i really do like that each of the different dungeons the characters are completely different with the abilities that they have and they're all kind of overpowered in their own way all the dungeons that have different traps like all of that's really really cool and i actually really dig it except for one thing there's one thing that gets my goat 
And that's that sequential thing because the best I've done, I almost got out of the big dungeon was I was going through and I never unlocked anything because I couldn't get the sequential thing. So I'm just like running through this dungeon, just trying to get out as fast as I can to get to the next one. And the problem with it is because this is a dice game, you're completely at the mercy of what you roll that first time. Because sometimes you're rolling three dice in a dungeon and you have two spaces next to the first door. Well, great. So if I roll a two and a six and a four, well, now I've lost my sequential on my very first roll. And that's frustrating. That's it. It's an eight minute game. And I've now played it like 12 times in three days. So I don't know. Your money's worth? Yeah. I mean, it's worth the $10 that I paid for it, for sure. I'm going to keep playing it. Um, I absolutely recommend taking it. And I, I put it in little, uh, I sleeved my papers is what I did. I sleeved my papers, people, so I can dry erase on. I'm really glad I did because I definitely want to actually beat all of them at some point. And I'd be wasting so much, well, I guess of your paper, I guess. <laughs> I'd be wasting so much of your paper, Don to do it but uh, i you know i dig it it's totally worth the 10 bucks it's i think it's like 20 bucks now if you want you know the weekly thing i think it's probably worth mm-hmm. that like i'm definitely gonna get you know 30 40 games out of this for sure i don't know if i'll actually play all 52 but i'll do a lot of them but anyhow i, I know you have it too have you tried it yet i have not oh my god i confess i keep putting I it told on the you table like 45 minutes down. ago we were talking about this you could have played like 12 games I was busy driving home from work. So, you know, I, I haven't yet. And and this is, you know, one of the things that weighs on me. Like, it's really cool that you're getting a new sheet every week, but I have not started it yet, which means I'm five or six sheets behind. It's amazing. It sounds like I'm maybe half an hour behind. But yeah, yeah. Still, I mean, all the times I've played, me. I've played three of the five heroes that, that, that we have. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm itching to get it started, and I think I will. It, it sounds like the sequential thing is a little bit of a drag, but not yeah, so bad that I, it makes I, it I unenjoyable. A question on the Kickstarter, just to make sure, like maybe I'm missing something. I don't think I am. I think that's just that's just what it is. Like it's meant to be hard, and it might just be because if you're going through and you are just getting experience, it becomes easy. Oh, the other thing that's actually pre- is very interesting with the sequential thing is. For every column you completely fill with numbers, you get one extra experience point. Hmm. So, but of course, that's way harder because you got to fill yeah. the whole grid. Now um, you're going sequential and up and down the map. Yep. And it's got a, the stuff that you can pick up and find is very clever. Like to pick up a key that you find on the board, you have to have the same number on two sides of it. You know, pick up a coins, which coins lets you adjust your dice. All those things just have two numbers on you know, like a four on uh, to the north and to the south, you'll pick it up. You just you know, circle it, you can use it. It's, I mean, it's all very clever. I, I just, I, I just don't know if I will get frustrated before I get better at the game with the sequential thing, if that makes sense. And it's a one sheet experience for that character, right? Like you're not taking that experience to another page. Yeah, yeah. It's one per, you can mix and match. Like you can take one character and play it in another oh, another dungeon. There's no reason you can't do that. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's neat. Like I literally, I, I got home and I was like, oh, well, I got like 10 minutes. Sure, I'll play one. And in three minutes I was dead. So. Okay. Was 
I did particularly. I will poor. try I to get this yeah. played tonight. I'm intrigued. I'm surprised you didn't play an entire game while I was talking about it. Like you could have played like two games while I was explaining that. Maybe okay. I did, and I'm just being polite. Ooh, that's deep. Yeah, I, it's neat. I, you know, I like it. I'm glad I backed it. I'm probably gonna play it again as soon as we're done talking, as I'm just now convinced I will finally win. So that that's my red hot roll and write. Uh, what is your red hot roll and write that you have to talk about that you've been playing lately? Yeah, so I was on a trip uh, to Houston uh, like three weeks ago, and I always like to pop into a game store if I can when I'm on a trip. And there's a very cool one there called the Dragon's Lair, I think it is. And you know, if I can buy something that I can fit in, were there dragons? Take home, I get it. There are dragons. Yeah. Did they have a copy of Flamecraft? Sadly, I did not see Flamecraft. No. Well, then it sounds like a sham. That does sound like a sham. So anyway, while I was there, I picked up uh, Super Skill Pinball Star Trek. I think technically it's Star Trek Super Skill Pinball. Uh, So there's fast. Yeah. So there's an original Super Skill Pinball that came out, uh, I don't know, a year earlier. And I was taught that at Dice Tower West last year. And it was really interesting and fun. It's a neat little challenge. Um, You're moving these little, you know, dome-shaped pinball balls, whatever you call them. around a pinball board and they they you know of course constantly have to be going down the sheet you know it's a roll and right and so you're going down and you're hitting bumpers and stuff and you're marking them and you're scoring points based on those and if you know you can't hit a number that's on a flipper then the ball falls through and you move on to your next ball just like pinball right um but you're trying to keep it going and trying to get it bouncing off the bumper as you are you know subject to the dice rolls of course but it's really interesting. And I actually hate pinball in real life. It's it's like dexterity is not a thing for me. And so a game where you I mean, have you know to you're just pushing a button, right? I don't get it. Like I don't, there are people that are obsessed with pinball, and I have never been able to enjoy a game of pinball, but I enjoy this game. If you're just yeah. listening, I've been doing a pinball pushing the well, button. Playing pinball because I'm just so dull. Yeah, well, you know, uh, so a uh, uh, Skippy, designer of Lunar Rush, actually has mm-hmm. a pinball machine. When I would uh, used to go visit him, I mean, I used to like it, like he's dead or something. There is a like a pinball museum or something that you know we we'd go over to. I think mm-hmm. that was there. I don't know, but you know, just dude loves his pinball, which I just find, which is probably why you can't win Lunar Rush. Probably it has all it's, come it's together. secretly a pinball game. So anyway, um, there is now a Star Trek version, and I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I, I may even be more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. Um, it's never a competition, but I love Star Trek. And well, a big one, portion of the nerdverse just went... <laughs> because I refused to make it a competition. Well, no, yeah. because you said you liked one or the other. Yeah, that's true, and the other portion's cheering. <laughs> so anyway... it. It has four different Star Trek boards in them. There's a Starfleet Academy, Bubble with Tribbles. Uh, what is the cartoon called? Um, uh, uh, Lower Decks, right? Lower Decks. Star Trek Lower Decks and the Borg Invasion. So those are the four themes. I've only played the, the Starfleet Academy one so far. But it is, you know, it's the same type of game. You know, you're moving the ball around based on die rolls. But it is super thematic. You know, it's got all these little... Easter eggs in there, references to Star Trek. There's a track on that board you go up that is the Kobayashi Maru 
which is the Starfleet Academy test. It's impossible. Everybody knows. Yeah. Can and the great it? thing is like, so the great thing is the last spot on that board, which gets you like on that track that gets you like 50 points. It requires a die roll that you cannot get. But there is another combo that you can get that lets you move up on that track for free. So you can cheat to beat the Kobayashi Maru. So it's awesome. I I really loved it. Um, I'm itching to try trouble with tribbles and, and lower decks and board, of course. Yeah, so it was great. You know, it's a little more like generic Star Trek bits in there because it's the Academy. You can kind of put a little bit of everything. So I liked it. You know, it'd be great to see another rendition with even more. I mean, there, there's so much content in the Star Trek universe that you could throw in there. So yeah, it's I mean, great. There, there's there's a whole bunch of versions of that game, isn't there? This is just the second. Oh, really? There, there's basic pinball and Star Trek pinball. Um, oh, I think they released just more boards or whatever for the basic pinball, I think. Mm. Something like that. Okay. All right, yeah. So I haven't played I know everyone thinks it's great. I just mm -hmm. haven't. I haven't even seen anybody who has it, but I guess you have it, so I guess I'll, yeah, I'll come play that while you play Dungeon Pages. Sounds good. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, and this is uh, designed by Jeff Engelstein. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's a really yeah, clever design. Yeah, he's a He's, he's kind of big time. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he didn't design backyard chicken, so he's got nothing. Not everybody can. It's true. All right. So my next one, actually, before I talk, talk about my last one, I, I do want to just get an honorable mention here because I just got my copy yesterday and we actually played it together last weekend. And that is the game that I've been waiting a bazillion years for. And that is Theurgy, mm. which everybody, you've heard me talk. If you, I've talked about this game ad nauseum. I actually I played the prototype over 20 times. And now in board game hobbyland, playing a game 20 times is huge. It's and really overdoing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, now I'm just bragging, right? <laughs> um so but so so theurgy it arrived. So me and Don, we played through an AI. I thought we had a good time. It took us, even with having to relearn a little bit, an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Just really quick. I, I still love the game. I'm sure Don doesn't like it as much as I do, but the art, the art is amazing on it now. And there's a little, it's not, it's got a little bit of an oddity on some of the production. The deluxe meeples, some of them you can't see kind of the engraving perfectly and the the trays don't fit perfectly. Well, no, I guess they do. The trays that you can store stuff in do fit perfectly in the box if you put them perfectly in the box, if that makes sense. I managed it one time and then I tried 20 other times and couldn't do it. I wish I part. I could tell you how much rage I could feel coming from Don through our little group chat. We have Peter Vaughn that he just he said, I'm going on BGG. No one can tell me. I'm may I'm starting a thread. Like you don't know what kind of rage you have to have to start a thread on BGG. Like that's that's something. It's something for me. Yes. There are plenty of people who will do it at the drop of a hat. I hope someone started I, a thread about us already. Um, I never like to speak ill and just like I'm looking for help is all. Yeah. And and so but uh, I think you are still on, on on my side of this is a this is a good game. It's a very good game. Yeah. yeah. And so I bring it up only because of this. And I'm actually going to make another video because I just got my copy. I love this game. On pretty much everyone that I bring it introduce it to, they like the game a lot. They've added a lot to it. It looks great. 
they got crushed by pandemic shipping, mm-hmm. just crushed. And so down in the description of however you're watching or listening to this, there will be an email. If you would like to get a copy, email that email and just, you know, say that you're interested and they will find a way to get you a copy because it's great. You should have it. Area control game that you can play in an hour with up to five people. Just can't beat that. Anyhow, what I've actually been playing lately, and it has been on my table all week, and Canadian Kev is here, and we've been playing it, and that is Tanaris Adventures, which is a 20-pound expansion for Arena the Contest, which is, I don't know, 40 pounds a game already. So I've gotten rid of a lot of it. And so the original Arena the Contest was this mostly PvP arena game, which is neat, fine. And then it had a solo mode, solo co-op mode they put on, which everyone kind of thought was going to be tacked on. It didn't back the game, so it was going to be tacked on. No, it was really good. It was a really good solo. But the game itself was was simple, which is great for an arena combat thing, I think. You have lots of characters, do different things, but very simple. So Tanaris Adventures is this 80-plus hour campaign that you can play. And as you, it's, it's replayable in the sense that Every single game you do, you're making a choice of which of these two or three adventures am I going on? And the ones that you don't go on, at least so far, are going to be out of the game and will have some kind of negative impact because you didn't take care of this thing, you took care of something else. So very replayable. But what they've done is they've added a whole bunch of different additional abilities for every character the way an ability for each different character class to kind of upgrade throughout the game you're able to uh, they've added a skill system this is what's very cool to me because if you play a lot of these party-based dungeon crawl adventures if they're more if they're comp if they're if you're starting to do something a little bit complicated and you're really trying to figure stuff out sometimes you're just sitting there waiting for the other players but what they've done Mm -hmm. is they've created this skill system that you can use these skills, but only on another player's turn to help them, or only on the bad guy's turn to do something to kind of interrupt what they're doing. And each each game, you're picking which ones of these abilities that you're going to use. Very, very clever. And a little more complexity. It's a D20 system. So it, it can feel a little swingy, because D20s always feel, feel swingy, even though usually to hit, you need a six or a seven. So I don't know how the math works on that, you know, but it can feel a little bit swingy, but they do something that I love. And a lot of dungeon crawls do this. And I know, Don, you don't play a ton of dungeon crawls, but watch for ones that do this because it's good. You always get something even when you miss. Hmm. So you can miss and they call it residual damage. So it means you you slipped and you didn't hit them very hard. So even when you miss, you still hurt them. So the game's always progressing forward. And same thing with the bad guys. They can miss but they will still hurt you. So the game keeps progressing. You just don't get to do your special ability or, you know, whatever. Very cool. And we're just now experiencing there's in between each adventure, there's a city phase, which I know Frosthaven now does too, which people are all about. But in the city phase, you're slow, you're choosing how are you going to, you, you have a, a deck of cards of people that like work with you and you draw these cards. And now it's like a, it's a deck builder type thing. You're spending the resources on the cards you're comboing them playing cards on someone else's turn so they can, you know, have more strength or whatever. 
which you're using to either buy more cards, which are going to come into your hand so you have better hands. And also some of them will come with you on the adventure to give you boosts. But you're also using that to upgrade the town. You're also, and then by upgrading the town, you can buy more weapons. And, you know, we've all played that kind of game, but it's really fast, it seems like. So that was a lot of me talking about a game that you haven't played. And a lot of people still haven't even gotten. Like, I'm still waiting for my second box of stuff. So, that, side note, and people are getting all bent out of shape out of this. So, Gamerati, who's shipping out in America, shipped out everybody's copy of Tenaris Adventures first. That's the big 20 pound expansion. And then they're shipping out all the other stuff. So that's like the Kickstarter expansions and stuff. But more importantly, for a lot of people, the core game, which you have to have to play Tenaris Adventures. So some people got this 20-pound huge expansion box with all the story and excitement. Ooh, yeah, you're going to have to wait a month and a half for us to ship the rest of it or however long it's taking. And people are just all up in Jagori Games' grill about it. They're like, we, we're not shipping it. Like, you know, we can't. They're going to do it how they're going to do it. So You know how many people were just getting the expansion versus people who added needed to add the core game? I don't know what, what I... My understanding is that the way they were packaged, pretty much they could just take the Tanaris Adventures expansion and just slap a label, go. The others, they have to pull and separate and create new boxes because, you know, what are people getting? Like, I'm just getting the um, Kickstarter expansion and then I'm getting the upgraded minis. So they're the minis from the first one. They're like, meh, they're fine. But the ones from the new game are better. So they redid the old ones. So, you know, I got to wait for that to to show up. But yeah, I, I don't know. But you know how we nerds get. People are for sure. People are getting feisty about it, um, especially nerd crowdfunding backers. Oh, we're the worst. We are yes. the. I I just today, no yesterday, and I tried to say it in a way that seemed kind of fun. Fun, like I'm not mad. I'm just like, what's up? What's up? Mm-hmm. So, Don, I told you this. I sent you a picture, and so I've been waiting for the warp gate. Warpgate Beyond is basically a major upgrade to the solo mode of the game Warpgate and a bunch of upgrades. And I'm excited about it. And I got the shipping notice. It was supposed to be delivered like on February 2nd or something like that. And for everybody here, it's February 9th right now where we're recording. And so I had looked at the tracking on February 2nd, it was in Kansas. It wasn't here. I'm like, whatever, that always happens. It's FedEx. So then it finally gets to Sacramento. I'm like, oh, good. It'll be, and they get the updated notice. It'll be here tomorrow. And I check that afternoon at school. It's in San Jose. I'm like, good. Didn't get it. I check later that night. It's back in Sacramento. And it updates. It's going to be at my house the next day. But like, great. I check in the morning. It's in, it's in San Jose. Hooray. That afternoon, it's back in Sacramento. Four times, it went up and down. And then finally today... I got something that said that basically the, the the barcode was was damaged and they had to relabel it or something. So now I know what happened. But I posted on the thing. I said, yeah, my thing's gone up and down several times, Sacramento and San Jose. So clearly I'm stuck in, stuck in some kind of sci-fi time loop. So clearly I've already played this in the past and I really enjoyed it. So I hope everyone else liked it. You know, like, well, apparently, apparently it didn't translate because uh, the designer 
or the the publisher came on. It's like we're gonna check on your shipment right away. I was like, I didn't. I'm, oh. I was trying to Did be funny to create work for you. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to be funny and I failed. You were even in the vicinity of Groundhog Day. I know. Talking about a time loop. Yep. It was a brilliant, very meta joke. Yep. And um, I failed. So, But anyhow, that has nothing to do with Tanaris Adventure. Point is, so far we're really enjoying it. I'm excited for some and, of the new characters. Oh, oh, this is the other really cool thing about the city mode. So one of the things I always get into, get, get my, my knickers in a bunch about when I'm playing Dungeon Crawls, all these characters, like I'm not going to play the whole campaign 12 times. Like I love, I want to switch them out every so often without feeling like, you know, I'm messing something up. So the, as you're building that deck of cards, you're using to you know, upgrade your town you can get the hero, the, the heroes as well. And they're particularly powerful. You have to go to the tab. Of course you go to the tavern to get the heroes. Where else would and, they be? Yeah. And it's set up to when training you... or something. What's that? I said, where else would they be training or something? No, God, no. They're training they're by drinking. drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, but as you get more of them, uh, you can get them in your deck, but then if you have them in your deck, you can then just use them instead. So take them, take them with you, which I, I love that idea. And also it, it lends credence to the idea of, you know, well, then if your hero dies, it's gone type thing, mm -hmm. you know, I, without gaming. So I'm very, very excited about this. So I, I'm very excited about it. it it's a lot. It, it's, it's so much stuff. I'm trying to parse my way through it. But so far, really, really digging it. Um, clearly, you haven't played it. Clearly. So, yeah. I'm glad it got to you finally, though. Yeah, yeah. It was a three-year wait. Mm. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So I remember so the they did a reprint, I think, of the core game or something like that. And they had said that that was going to be out first. And they said, nope, it's going to be out like eight months before the other one or something like that. And then that was super delayed. And they were, I think they were somewhat ready for the other one. And they said, well, we promised eight months. So it's going to be eight months. And so that just like pushed everything. You know, like whatever. I had plenty of games to play, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So I'm, I'm not going to have this for another year. All right, fine, whatever. All right. So what, what, what do you got on your table for next, Don? Because people are tired of hearing me. Yeah. So, so just briefly, uh, not technically on the table, but the next big game coming up is Artisans of Splendid Vale or Artisans of the Splendid Vale. I can't recall if there's a the in there, but uh, anyway, it's a is this gorgeous, gorgeous story based uh, campaign game. Um, I've been itching to play it with my kids. It arrived a few weeks ago. Um, actually got it all set up a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, one kid couldn't come to the table. I'll say couldn't instead of wouldn't. Uh, and it's very are, Julius Caesar, you know, as uh, Julius Caesar is to tell, tell the senators, I will not come today. Cannot is false. Dare not is false. Or tell them I will not come. Yeah. Will's an actor, if you can't tell. Uh, so, yeah, I would not know those words from Julius Caesar. Anyway, well, that was um, a deep cut, man. There's like two people who are I like, yeah, it. yeah, that is. I'm happy for them. Two, scene one. So anyway, this is a gorgeous game. It's a beautiful, beautiful production. It's by Nikki Va Nikki Valent. I think is the right uh, name. Yeah. Um, I'm itching to play. It has really interesting characters. Each character is a different type of artisan, and you know they have a whole backstory. Ten of them. The, Truly unique thing about this game, at least I've never seen this before, is every each player has their own book. And this is like a thick novel 
and you all have most of the story in front of you. So, you know, you can pick a narrator who's reading aloud, but then everybody else is following along. And then every once in a while, it'll say, so-and-so has something to say. And then only that player has that passage in their book. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And, and there's well, some I mean, choose your own adventure kind of stuff. And cool, right? Yeah, I'll find out if it's cool, but I love the concept. Uh, it, it's for heavy, heavy books. Uh, not a lot of games are going to be able to pull this off, but I, I'm really impressed by it. And, you know, everything about it is gorgeous. And every player comes with a character specific uh, bookmark to go in the book and mark where you are in the adventure. And, oh, just the components are beautiful. I'm, I'm itching to play it. Yeah. I've, I didn't back it. And, but mostly I didn't back it because I had Lands of Galzir. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't, I got the one, not only the other. And now I know you have it. So, when your kids decide that they will not come, maybe I'll join sometime. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so my other one, Ed, I already mentioned it, is a uh, Wander the Cult of Barnacle Bay. We're playing it tonight. A uh, group of us, we finished all of our Gloomhaven stuff, and then Gloomhaven draws the line, and uh, none of us got Frosthaven. So we jumped into this. We're going to play it through. I, I love this game. Light Dungeon Crawl kind of feels a little bit like a Zombicide meets Mice and Mystics. Though not with as much story, just just dice chucking fun. It it's a great time. I love it. Everyone's enjoying it so far, and we're just gonna play again tonight. I've talked to nauseam about it, so I'll just leave it there. But Barnacle Bay, excited yep. for the new stuff. Whenever that gets here in thirty-seven years. So we are in a, a group chat with Peter Vaughn from Cardboard Alchemy, and we talk a lot about ridiculous board game people. In the in positive and negative, I will say we do talk about people who are just awesome as well, but positive and negative. And whenever poor Peter, I say poor Peter because it's so stressful running a campaign. He's running a campaign. We always get the we we always pay attention to oh, who's complaining, who's complaining because there's always somebody complaining. It's always a good time. So from that, I promise. So what what are the our best and worst crowdfunding experiences? Don, you you want to go best or worst first? Well, let's do the positive. Um... Let's talk best. And I scribbled down a couple here. And, you know, the big one is Dwellings of Eldervale, which is a previous Peter Vaughn campaign. And it was incredibly well run campaign. You know, I've not seen many that go as well as Peter's campaigns do. I, I think he's just a master at this stuff. So it was an entertaining campaign. You know, he, he does this thing and I think Dwellings was the first time he did it where he puts out puzzles ahead of time to kind of build some some you know hype for the game and some fun for the backers before they're able to even see stuff. the page and and you get free stuff if you've solved a puzzle and it's it's, and it's not garbage free stuff either like it's, no. it's it's good stuff no it's like that thing you would have paid ten dollars to add on you now get for free because you did a puzzle yeah. and by the way if you think puzzles are dumb and you don't want to do them, you can go to Discord or BGG or Facebook and somebody will tell you the answer and that's perfectly fair and he welcomes that. So, And by the way, so if you just, don't want to do that, you can pay $10 and get it. <laughs> you know, There's that too. Yeah. So so there's no, there's no losing situation there. You get to choose your own adventure. Uh, so just kind of the, the energy around the campaign was a lot of fun, but there's also just a ton of sentimental you know, attachment to the game. Um, Adrian, my son and I were play testers for the game. You know, we played it at conventions when Luke Laurie was using, you know, Dungeons and Dragons miniatures in place of the monsters. And and they even sent us a prototype to play test at home. And so we did a lot of two-player play testing. We took it to meetups and showed it to people and taught them. And so 
that was just an exciting experience. It's the first time we'd ever done that, where we had a prototype at home of somebody else's game and and play tested it. And so, you know, that made it all the more fun. Uh, it's it's one of the few campaigns where I've just stayed engaged all the way through. Uh, I back far too many crowdfunding projects, and my usual approach is, you know, give me enough information to make a decision. I back it. I forget about it until I get the UPS or FedEx notice that it's on its way. And sometimes they just show up. Uh, I had something show up this week with no notice. So, and that's fun too. Yes, yeah, it was I a too. cartouche. I my, my vindication uh, late pledge just showed up. And right. well, it was funny. I, I told someone this. It was, <laughs> so Canadian Kev is here and he's working from home while, while he's visiting. And I was at school and he sent me a message. Said, oh, this one game that I, a theurgy I knew was coming. He said, and you guys, and you got another Kickstarter. I was like, oh, really? I was like, from where? He said, from Kickstarter. I was like, I know, from where? And he sent me a picture of the label and the return address was Kickstarter Fulfillment. Wow. Like, that's a new one for I, me. I, I think it is Orange Nebula must have like a thing where you know, that's what the, it's their Kickstarter Fulfillment like section or whatever. But it was yeah. bizarre. But yeah, it just showed up. I had no idea it was coming. Um, that's amazing. You know, so I, it, I did not get anyway, into the, the Dwellings campaign. Um, but I have been peripherally in some of Peter's other campaigns and mm -hmm. they're fun campaigns, like to they the really point are. to where I would pledge a dollar to one of his campaigns just to go play with the, cause he's constantly innovating nonsense. And sometimes people don't like it. Like we just mm -hmm. did Mark Dainty and I, we did a, a we did announced over a, a game of andromeda's edge and a lot of people really didn't like it they wanted us to shut up but it I was, it was an innovative fun. thing yeah. it was fun you know for yeah. you know, people that liked it but it's always something new so they're very fun campaigns yeah i i was going to mention another one um backyard chickens you know never heard of it. involved as one of the designers yeah uh, most people haven't oh uh, no one so, that listens to this Right. So obviously being involved as one of the designers is fun. You know, it's it's a little more behind the scenes. Um, it's, you know, something I did with my kids. So that made it great. Uh, the the unique thing that I got to do in that was Dan George, the publisher, let me pick the, uh, the content creators. And so I got to do the connecting with the content creators thing. You, of course, got a prototype to, to do a preview on. Uh, he was perfectly willing to send one to the UK to get to Matthew Jude and to Australia to get to Thinker Themer. Who? And, you know, picked a few others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Will's joke is that I talk too much about Thinker Themer. And so he no, likes guys, to say who? Guys and gals. Don loves Thinker Themer. And you know what? To be fair, that they are great. But Don great. loves Thinker Themer to the point that there was a brief, like they had a bunch of videos came out at once. And I swear to God, it was like Don didn't know anybody but Thinker Themer. So now I was like, who's that? Never heard of them. Yeah, yeah. So that's the joke. Anyway, so sent, you know, all the way to Australia, a copy of our little game, and, and they were kind enough to do a preview. And I went to Our Family Plays Games um, and, you know, other folks. And so it was a lot of fun just to do that communication. And I've heard enough, you know, uh, bad stories from both you and Peter about the wrong way to do that interaction. So I felt like I had a good approach. You know, I didn't go to people that had I'd never heard of and say, hey, I love your channel. And, you know, it turns out they're covering pottery or something and I'm sending them a board game. Uh, so anyway, it was 
it was a lot of fun. That was a fun campaign. It was a great experience. It was great to be in the comments as a collaborator. And, you know, we did not have any cranky backers. You know, it was a small enough campaign that we didn't have any cranky backers. And, and it was a smooth campaign. It delivered quickly. So that's mine. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I will just on the side, it, it is a very different experience when you're a collaborator. I was a collaborator mm -hmm. on the Lunar Rush campaign. And it's just a, just the things that you get notices about, like, leave me alone. Yeah. I don't want to, like, no, don't tell me somebody liked the update from three months ago. I don't need to know that because they always stress out. Yeah. But I'll say, so yeah, the, that, the, yeah, go ahead. sorry, the one, the one downside to that was I saw every time somebody dropped their pledge and, and I'd go to the publisher and say, is this normal? And he's like, yeah, it happens all the time. You know, don't worry about it. Just like, it just like, it hurt a little bit every time. Not that I'm saying nobody can do that. It's just, it, it just felt like it's gone. Just don't do it to me. Uh, so my, 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 I had a hard time thinking, figuring out what, what I thought my, my favorite one was. And again, you know, the, the Flamecraft campaign was a lot of fun. I just, I, I was just in, you know, just to troll the comments basically, but it, very fun stuff going on, mm -hmm. but I'm going to go with too many bones undertow and chip theory games is another company that does a really good job of staying active and engaging with the community. And I remember distinctly on Too Many Bones Undertow, there was a story every day. It's just a few paragraphs, a short little bit of a story, continuing story every single day. But it was choose your own adventure. We, we voted every day. What choice are they going to make? And the story followed that. And what made it pay off was at the end of it, the choices we made wound up in the game. So like we named uh, the wolf of the uh, Duster's Wolf, the one of the, the characters, and some items showed up in the game. I'm still mad that didn't pick the name I, I wanted for the wolf. I'm still, I'm still butthurt about that. Snarls is a way better name than Nightshade or whatever for a wolf. I'm just saying. I agree. See, right, right. But whatever. But anyway, it was a great campaign. And I think one of the things that's it's maybe a little bit sad about all of these is the campaigns that we're talking about that we weren't personally involved with, one of the things that makes them more fun is they're successful. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it because it's all those, I think part of the unlocking stretch goals and that's exciting. And you know what? I will fight you if you try to tell me that daily unlocks are better than stretch goals because they're not, I don't care. A daily unlock campaign, I'm like, okay, whatever. It's a set it and it's a crock pot for me. Set it, forget it. I'll go back at the end and see what I got. Like, whatever. Yep. I don't care. Um, so so that that's uh that's the one I picked as my 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 best. But we know everybody's here for the worst. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I know you have a hard time talking about bad experiences. Yeah, and you know, the this one's not too hard to talk about because I think it is the lowest agrees. of low-hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. So, so I backed Unbroken, which was a rare thing for me because it was a solo only game, but you know, it was not an expensive game. It sounded interesting. It was like a one player dungeon crawl card based game, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And, that's what it was built as, really. It was a resource management game, but that's yeah. what it was built. And, and I even played the print and play like one time through while the campaign was going on. And I usually don't do that, but I was intrigued. And then, you know, this is the the campaign that famously was screwed up by uh, Golden Bell, which is a mm -hmm. company yep. that would go around and 
you know, just find small Kickstarters and say, hey, we can take over finishing this project for you and you just give us this much money and then, you know, we just do the worst job. And and this was one that just turned out horribly and um, backers were kind of horrible about it. And then if I recall correctly, Golden Bell is in the comments being at least as horrible back. Oh, they, they are terrible. And I just yeah. uh, pulled this up because I, I still have it. So I made... A review of it because I backed mm -hmm. it also very early. I had like 50 subscribers, not even Donald subscribed. And I covered the game, and the game was solid. It was a solid B game, B, B. Plus. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I said, Okay, but I feel like I have to talk about what's going on because, like, they were in there just like swearing at people, telling them they're horrible. Mm -hmm threatening to sue people and so but i posted my my video and i talked about that and i still have it right here this is mark from golden bell text message he tried to call me at any time. i was respect i was uh, calling to respectfully speak with you prior to our attorneys contacting you and it's a long thing of how he's threatening to sue me because i posted a video and i and by the end of it i said so, well, I'm out of town now. So you probably don't want to send that, those uh, legal documents overnight. Like you're saying, like, you know, wait till Monday. And it ended up with, I was like, well, I'll let you know when the lawyer shows up. He's like, yeah, there's going to be a lawyer at your house. Like, okay. Well, by the way, you know, that uh, uh, you're not actually supposed to be contacting me via phone. Cause I gave backer kit, my phone number, not, you, you know, all these. So he threatened mm -hmm. to sue a whole bunch of people. Clearly he never did. It's just sure. a bad experience. But here's the coda to this story. I don't know, a year ago from now. And by the way, some people still do not have their copies of Unbroken, by the way. Some people still don't have it. And they paid all this extra shipping. So I got a PM on Facebook from the guy. And so I was like, you have a Cavalier. I have a Cavalier. We should be friends now. And I was like, what? He's like, you know, we had our little run in, but, you know, we, we, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I might still have it somewhere, but, you know, we, we should, you know, bury the hatchet. And finally I said, I was like, okay, I tell you, I tell you what, you make a public apology to me and everybody else you threatened to sue and say that you were wrong. And absolutely we can bury the hatchet. He says, great. I'll make a group. I'll make a joint statement with you. I was like, no, I didn't do anything. Wrong. I, was like, I never threatened to sue you. So I, I sent him a screech. I was like, this, in this you he's like no somebody used my my number oh my yeah so that was the end of that story i guess the real end of the story is he went on people's court and lost then yes. he sued people's court <laughs> so i don't he, understand some people so it that was probably that has to have been my worst crowdfunding experience and i've had a lot uh, of crowdfunding experiences but um you know 99.9 .9 have been great to find like that's the range. Like there's no bad, there's no unpleasant, except maybe that one. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was it was the kind of thing where the game showed up and I just couldn't bring myself to play it. And I feel terrible for the designer. Mm -hmm. It's not his fault. Uh, but I sold it. I couldn't yeah. play it. Yeah, I played it, around, it a, few, so. a few times, I covered it, and then I just I was like, I, I just I have a bad vibe and I sold it to somebody else. Um it's so, yeah, the designer, uh, we actually have a, here one of his other games, a game called Cauldron, which is a very fun little plant growing potion making game. It's very clever. I'm um, hopefully he lands, you know, sometime he lands on his feet. I know he's still trying to 
get copies of it broken to everybody. And the funny thing about it was on because I kept asking for more shipping and they did a whole thing where they were trying to pass it off as media mail, which is legal. And people were so pissed. They reported them to the postmasters and like, it was a whole thing. Like they, they wrapped the, the box in uh, sheet music. So it would look like it was sheet music, but on the outside of the box, the tagline for the game was make them pay. Mm. And they kept asking everybody, oh, it was, Mwah, chef kiss good. So, but what I put down is my, my worst are just the ones where they're delayed. They're all delayed always. Yeah. But they just won't be honest about what's the real expectation. That drives me crazy. Like, oh, no, we're two months delayed. Two months delayed. Yeah, you know, we're two months delayed. Two... So I compare it to like Oathsworn. Oathsworn, I don't know, was 18 months late. I don't know. It was late. But after like five months after the campaign, they said, you know what? We are not even close like we thought. It's going to be 18 months late. Okay. I got no problem with that. It's just the, you know, because the others, I keep checking back. It's like, oh, is this going to be shipping? No, it's not. And then, you know, so I have some of them that it was wound up being like two years late in like six week increments and that makes me so mad i did not know it made me mad until i really stopped and th- i mean uh, until i really thought about it, you know that makes me real mad to the point where you says some of the games like i don't nope don't want them don't need them someone else can have them you know but that that that's the one that's the worst for me i, I can't like just tell me what's up like i don't care you know if you're not done you're not done great just you know yeah tell me when you're done. you do do that don't tell me your life story just give me the facts and that's enough like I, I i feel for the people who feel like they have to explain all the ills in their life to to back up the fact that something is delayed it's just it's delayed it's fine it happens to every project but I, i've read a few lately where it, it's a little too much information <laughs> and it wasn't necessary you feel like now you're part of the family don <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think it's the fault of cranky backers who are just like, I insist that you explain to me why I don't have this in my hands right now. And, you know, it's, it's a little their fault that people are feeling like they have to tell their life story and just in order to satisfy those handful of cranky folks yeah, who get very loud when they're disappointed. So, and they're probably yeah. just a $1 backer anyway. We love you. $1 backers. Everybody, drop down in the comments. I'd love to know what your best and worst experiences are. Not necessarily dropping, calling out projects for worst experience. We don't want to get into a fight down there, but just the things that made experiences bad or good for you. Uh, if a good experience, drop drop those names in there. Drop links to them. If you can lay pledge, like yeah, everyone cares about that. But you know, let's not. Absolutely. We don't want it to turn into a show down there. So this is where. Uh, Last year, we'd have a commercial. This year, we're not going to have a commercial. I'm just going to say, check out the channel membership. It's great. Yes. And a main game topic we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cover is the, the trilogy, so to speak, of games from um, now Motor City Games. The first game was not published by Motor City Games. That company was formed by the designers in order to publish the second game. The second game is Three Sisters, uh, which is a... Uh, farming themed game. Um, these are all 
dice drafting roll and write games. Uh, they all share similar DNA. And um, we thought we'd talk about them kind of all together and, you know, not necessarily rank the three games, which is everybody's first question now that the third one is out. Oh, we're going to rank them. We're going to rank them. We'll see. Uh, but just kind of talk about how they share similar DNA, where the differences are, kind of what we enjoy about them. Maybe things that we like better in one versus the other, but, you know, I thought we'd break them down. So the three games are Fleet the Dice Game, which came out several years ago, Three Sisters, which is um, a follow-up that came out a couple of years ago, or last year, I think it was delivered, and Motor City is just delivering now. I got my copy a couple of weeks ago. So they they are all dice drafting games. They all play over eight or 10 rounds. Fleet is the one that plays over 10 rounds. They have kind of this similar structure of everybody drafts dice and takes action based on those dice. In Three Sisters, you're um, we're going to kind of go out of order just to be random, but in, in Three Sisters, you are rolling dice and taking plant, and they go on a, a rondelle on a little central board, and you are selecting a die. Based on that die value, you're going to water a section of your garden, and then you're going to take an action based on where that die was placed after the roll. And at the end of it, and you do that until everybody's got a die each round and has taken their action, and then everybody and this is in all three games, everybody gets to use the last die that's left. In Three Sisters, it's a little different. There are two dice left and everybody uses the lower of the dice. And again, you get to plant or water the numbered section and then you take the action where that die is. And it, it's a fun you know, little routine. And then at the end of each round, uh, there is a group action. You know, it's, it's raining and so all of your plants are watered or you're going to the shed and taking a shed action, kind of that's where the engine building section is. And, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the points are available or uh, what is the other action I'm not thinking of? Oh, the market. Yeah. You go to the market and based on how many goods you've produced in the game, you get to do something, you get some reward. It's a lot of fun. It's very thematic. It's it's cool. Uh, in, in Fleet, which was the first game, you were operating. A I don't know that I want to say very thematic. Well, the actions are connected to the theme. Okay. Oh, oh, the theory of the actions is very thematic. I got you. I got you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in Fleet the Dice Game, you are operating a uh, commercial fishing fleet. And you, you are going through two phases of, of dice drafting. The first phase is called the boat phase. Uh, you're drafting a die. It is connected to one of the fishing tracks, and you upgrade that track. And you're either getting better fishing licenses or you're launching boats. And then you go through an income phase where everybody gets coins and there's a track of coins. And every time you fill in so many, you get a bonus action where you get to do something anywhere on the sheet. Three Sisters has something similar where, you know, you're you're producing goods. And every time you do so many goods, you get to do a bonus action, which is do something for free. In Fleet, you're doing that. You're doing the income. On even numbered rounds, you then go fishing where you look at you go to all the boats that you've launched and you fill in one fish on that boat and they're all going to be worth points at the end. And then you do a town phase. So this is a whole other set of dice that correspond to the sections of the town and you're drafting dice and you're taking actions in those towns. Not going to try to explain all of this exhaustively, but that's the flow of that game. And you do that over 10 rounds total. The third game, Motor City, which is the one that was just delivered, is about making cars, hence the title. Uh, so... I think thematically, it says you're in the heyday of Detroit produce, producing motor, uh, muscle cars. Mm -hmm. I don't quite see that precise of a theme when you actually play the game, but 
You well, are, I mean, when we were playing, right. I, I, I mm -hmm. made the comment that the game didn't make sense because there were books on the thing, and then Don pointed out that you know, this is this is back in the day. So they have yes. books, which makes it very thematic. There you go. Yeah. And you did say vroom vroom a few times. I did. I did. And there was While a we key. were playing it. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. So uh, in Motor City, it's it's a similar thing. You're drafting dice. Um, and taking actions, um, the actions are research, engineering, production, sales. I feel like I'm missing one. Um, but basically, the different parts of a car factory all the way to selling to the customers. The driving, driving. Oh, the test track. Yeah. Yes. So test track. So there are die faces that correspond to those. And they are placed on the center board. And there are bonuses where you place them. And if, when you take the die, you get that bonus which is a little thing you get to fill in somewhere on your board. And then you take the action of the die, or you can spend some of the money you've collected to upgrade that action. Normally, when you take an action, you fill in the next space on that particular track. If you've upgraded it, you fill in two spaces. Or if you've upgraded it twice, you fill in three spaces. So it builds. It's an engine built. They're about making cars. It even says that on the box somewhere. It's great. Um, so that part, that's all really fun. And but then you get to take that die and place it in one of the four spaces on There's your sheet more? to take another action. Yes. Oh my god. Um I I should mention like all these games are designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. Uh Motor City, Adam Hill joined the team. Um so joined this uh helped design that game. So again, you go through eight rounds of this. Uh you're upgrading your actions as you go. You are producing money through sales on this one um, every so often when you produce money you get um, some bonus so this is not bonus actions like in the other two games it's a specific thing that you get to do sometimes it's carrying out an action sometimes it's upgrading and so on there is a little research track that kind of acts like the other ones where you can get free actions it's much much shorter than the money or goods track in the other two games but it has kind of an interesting variant in that there are three you know, powerful bonuses you can get instead of taking an extra action, you unlock one of those. So that, that's kind of the flow of that game. It's, um, again, a similar flow, but different. The test track thing is really interesting. You have to unlock a car before you can take it around the test track. And as you go around the track, you get things and then you get to go activate other things. All of these game games are, you know, I often hear them described as combo-tastic. You know, the more you get into the game, the more each action is going to trigger other actions, which are going to trigger other actions. It's, and uh, it, it's firing off all the... Um, firing at all cylinders? Sure. We'll go with that. Because it's a car. Um, get it. I was going for the emotional chemical reaction thing that you get from getting free stuff in combo. Dopamine? I can't think of the word. There you go. Probably that. So that's kind of how all the games work. And what, what I thought we might do is kind of talk through some of those different characteristics and how we feel about them in each of the games. Anything you want to say before we jump into that? No, you know, uh, other than because, uh, oh, nope, nope, themes at the bottom, themes at the bottom, I'm going to hold my tongue. Yes, I told you, I, I consciously put that last. I meant to say that in the, in the document. So yeah. uh, they all have dice drafting, and this is a core part of the game, and each of them does it a little differently. Um, you've played them each exactly once, right? Well, we no, I played three sisters 
a ton. Oh, yes, you have. You're right, right. Yeah. Three Sisters I played a lot. But the others I've only played, well, one and a half. We played like halfway through around a Fleet the Dice game before people were like, let's play Twilight Inscription instead. Um, space. But you have played it a full time. Yep. And you played Motor City one full so comparing those plays is there how do you feel about the dice drafting across the different games you know i i I liked the dice drafting in three sisters i think the most Mm -hmm. um followed by motor city then followed by fleet i i like the you're not only choosing the number or the symbol but you're choosing what's under it as well and how that's always changed I, i think that that's pretty darn inspired and as far as between the other the, the the other two, Motor City and Three Sisters, I think Three Sisters for me is is the better of them simply because even though I'm sure the math doesn't work out like this, because the little farmer or tractor's going around, every time you roll the dice, it feels like the way they're dispersed is going to be different. Right? I can roll a six. And that might be on plant and water this time. Next turn, that six might be on uh, do the apiary or the fruit. Whereas when I roll on the gray die, the speedometer, it's always going to be on this one spot. And so for me, who loves a little chaos, it feels like it's more replayable, I guess. And there's a little bit of that random distribution in Motor City because the die is going to go to a place based on whether it's white, gray, or blue and what action it landed on and the the bonuses you get are different based on that combination of factors so there's some of that but it's it's not you know a completely discrete set of things based on where the farmer is in in three sisters so yeah i agree that's it's interesting and you're you're picking the action when you pick the die based on where the die is sitting in three sisters and that's different from motor city where the action is on the die itself yeah, and, and I, f- I feel like more often I can only play the motor city once, but more yep. often in Three Sisters, I was specifically saying, you know what, mm, I don't like that number really, yep. but I really like that action, and I'm yep. going to do something that might hurt me in one way to really help me the other. And I never really did that in Motor City. Like once or twice, I was like, ah, I really need money, so I'm going to take whatever has money on there. I, I find I'm picking based on the bonus sometimes in in motor city as opposed to the action that i want to do whereas three sisters i'm always picking based on the action that i want to do and the the number on the die may or may not benefit me and i find it's it's very easy to to manipulate the numbers in three sisters i feel like it was easier to swap the numbers around Mm -hmm. than in motor city go i I might be wrong because i'm not an expert in motor city but it definitely felt easier to get the compost or the mulch or whatever it is to adjust those numbers yeah, in Motor City, you can't necessarily change the die face. Like that's the action you've got. Oh, right, 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 right. That's right. You, you get what you, you can get use it to take that action or upgrade that action. Yeah. yeah, or you can, you know, discard it entirely and do fill in a, a box on the research track. But that's usually not the optimal move in right. you know my three or four plays of the game. Uh, action choices. So comparing the different actions that are available in the game. Uh, so in in Fleet, you are either you know, upgrading one of your your fishing boat tracks and launching boats or getting licenses. Or if you're in the town phase, you're using different buildings to upgrade or going down the the uh, King Crab track, you know, different choices there. In Three Sisters, you're kind of choosing what part of the farm you're going to work on. 
and and to a lesser extent in my mind choosing which section of your your farm you're going to plant or water yeah and then of course in motor city you're picking what part of the factory you want to work in yeah. how do you feel about the choices there yeah for those I, I would actually i think i'd rank them uh, uh the motor city fleets then three sisters mm. um and three sisters you, you're gonna do what you're gonna do and you pretty much know even before you've rolled yeah i'm gonna i need to i need to water i need to try to water this area here and i need to try to get the lawnmower or whatever and then in fleet that one to me feels the most chaos bound because you're just totally at the mercy of what those dice throws are um you know which i find fun and you know there's there's a way i unlocked a thing earlier where i could re-roll dice which is also fun because now i'm making choices oh i don't know this one looks like it'll make don mad i'm gonna take this one and roll it and oh i didn't get what i needed which is you know delightful and then don would play me and pretend to be mad about something it was great but i like in motor city how you're taking that die and you get that secondary action mm-hmm. just picking whatever you want unless the coffee thing's out there but picking whatever you want and so it, it felt like it was in that one the easiest for me to do what i wanted to do i need to drive well no matter what i take i'm gonna get to drive some and so uh, i i think that, i think that one gets the the take for me even if, if absolutely none of the dice rolled the success to function you have it available there on your board yeah um, there is that audit thing with the coffee cup where every round it blocks one of the spaces on your board but even then you can spend four bucks to remove it so yeah, I I agree. I like that. Um, I, I think the actions in in fleet are really interesting. Uh, the choice between what tracks you're you're trying to go down as you're choosing a boat die is really interesting. You know, usually you specialize in one or two and move up a few others. Uh, it makes everybody's abilities really asymmetric by the time you're a good way into the game. Yeah. I agree with that ranking. Uh, so each of them has the track that gives you bonus actions. And I thought I'd throw this in for comparison. You know, it's the coin track in Fleet. It's the goods track in Three Sisters. It's the research track in Motor City. Is there one of those that you enjoyed more than the others? No. No. Okay. No. Um, it would say it's interesting when you, when you look at, um, when you just look at the boards, you can see the ones where they're expecting you to get a lot because I think it's fleet that the track for that is There's a thousand spaces. boxes you can yeah. put. And then yeah. three sisters is like 300 and then it's like nine <laughs> in Motor City. Yeah, it's definitely kind of a secondary effect thing in Motor City. And, and it's kind of split between the money track for the sales and then that little research track. But the research track is what gives you bonus actions. Uh, just like the other two games. I feel like there's a little more energy to the the track and fleet. You know, getting the coins, one, you do it more often. Like you're going to get income every round. And if you do the right things, that income is going to get better and better. And so you're you're going to have turns where you get your income and you get two bonus actions right away. And so there's a lot of combos firing off there. You got yeah, a, think, a lesser version of that in, in Three Sisters and then Motor City, it's, it's much yeah, more diminished. Yeah, so I guess I said, no, I shouldn't have. Three sisters and fleet, where I actually felt like I was getting significant bonus actions. Um, so I'll, I'll give it to those two over Motor City. Yeah, 
I think if you look at the sales track as part of the system, you get kind of prescribed bonuses when you go down that track, but it's not quite the same as, oh, I get to pick whatever I want to do. Uh, let's see, what did I have next? Scoring strategies. Looking at the different ways you can score points in these games. Is there one where you felt like you have more of a point salad experience versus the others? Uh, this is the hardest one to answer, I think. You know, I, I I feel almost not qualified to answer for having only played Fleet and sure. Motor City once because I did things and then at the end I was like, oh, I got points. Whereas in Three Sisters, I actively knew what I was doing and sure. actively pursuing things. Um, that said, I, I don't really, even though it is, I don't really feel like Three Sisters is a huge point salad. You know, it's not there's definitely things that you can do that wind up being wasted actions. But um, so I guess I'm just going to say the, the, the scoring, the way it works for all of them, like, yeah, yeah, I got points, you know? Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I, I feel like three sisters has some interesting, like you're kind of forced to specialize in three sisters. Like you're, you're, you're working on the, the apiary or you're working on the fruits or you're working on the, the perennial section no and one's working on the get you apiary. Points. No one ever works on the apiary. I have done it a couple of times. I did it in the game we played the other day. Who won that was game? my focus. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and then everybody's getting points off their plants, right? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a big driver in your score. Um, Fleet has has a lot of choices in it. Um, I feel like if you don't go down the King Crab track, which is the one that gives you five points, and then a multiplier for something else you've done you know you're in trouble if you don't go down that track so you can have so you to. tell me this now as the guy who did not put a single thing in the king crab track wow yeah and and i still lost that game so not to me so, yeah, let's be clear everybody not to me he did oh, not lose to me. <laughs> uh so um and, and then motor city i played it three or four times i i, I agree i'm probably still not qualified to talk about how how great the strategies are. I've enjoyed every play of it. And I think there are interesting strategies, but I think there's still some, a lot to learn there. Okay, your favorite part, theme. Okay. So it's hard pressed to think of three themes that I find less interesting. I'm not going to lie. But I am supremely uninterested in making cars. I can drive a car. I know how to do that. It gets me from here to the place I want to go. If someone else is willing to drive, they're doing it. So that's way at the bottom for me. Now, I don't particularly care much about gardening either, but the whole three sisters thing of the three, you know, the beans and the, and the pumpkin and the squash and, and how they all work together, that is actually interesting to me. So that gets some points that that is just legitimately, I think, is interesting and how, you know, that all kind of works together. And it comes together into play a little bit in the game, you know, like the way mm -hmm. you got to have things on two sides of the whatever to get the whatever. And you got to grow high enough to plant the whatever and the whatever and you water the whatever and then you get whatever points. Right. That's so why I do whatever. Yeah. A better name, guys. Um, so that I, I do think is interesting. 
I'm far more more interested in the fleet the dice game, and that's probably because I used to watch Deadliest Catch so much. Interesting. And I'd be like, I would never want to do that. <laughs> like, never, ever, ever. But man, we watched that show all the time. So that takes it from me. But I mean, we we got three themes. Like, there's not a single goblin in there. There's no space. There's no dragons. There's no space dragon goblins. So you know, we're we're the themes are kind of beige. So yeah, I, I, that's a fair perspective. As somebody who co-designed a game about raising chickens in the backyard, I have to appreciate the unique themes. Uh, they're they're different. It's not goblins and space and all of that so but a space i, I enjoy goblin, side of that though, you get behind that yes absolutely peter vaughn add to dwellings of or so add to uh, andromeda's edge a space dragon goblin faction to go with the space cows please there you go absolutely uh so i don't know do i prefer one over the other i think i probably have the least connection to three sisters uh graphically it was also the hardest one for me to connect with like it feels a little less intuitive you know once you know it it's great but the first couple of plays it took some figuring yeah i remember uh, you, you and, mentioned that I, I i felt that way more so about uh motor city and I motor city more time certainly. looking around like where where is this going this goes what does this do yeah um there, there's a lot going on graphically in motor city it takes it takes a bit of learning and some folks have complained about the rule book i didn't think it was that hard to, to figure out the rule book though there were a couple things where we had to assume what the rule was and you know i later then checked on bgg and confirmed it because other people asked the question but uh yeah that, there is a lot going on graphically in motor city um thematically you know i like the organization and the logic of running a factory you know i like that all the different parts are re represented there I also have no interest in making or working on cars and I'm dying for the day when the car drives for me, you know, without crashing into anything. Uh, but, and no, don't worry because the autopilot turns off right before impact. So that's still your fault. Oh, there you go. So it's yeah. still my fault. Got it. There is something really satisfying about the theme in fleet. And I don't know why I have never watched deadliest catch, but there's just something about like, I'm building up this fleet and I'm becoming more successful because I've built up this fleet and that success makes the fleet even better. And uh, it's a neat theme. The you entire know, generation of sea creatures that curse your name every day. Right. So yeah, I, I'd probably put it about the same. I, I think free sisters though, for me was probably the one hardest to connect to, but not for any particular reason. All right. And I know you said we're not going to do this. But we're going to do this. Rank them. Where are they for mm. you? I'll let you think about it. And I'm now I've got to tell you the one and two are very hard for me. Yeah. Really hard. But I think, and this might change with more plays, but I think I'm going to go three sisters just ever so slightly under it fleet. And then motor city third which is which is the opposite of what i said when we played all three of them back to back but i, I think yes, it is i can't just let my love of just rolling dice <laughs> color that you know what i actually think i enjoy the three sisters game a little bit more but i i did like fleet i would definitely play it again yeah it's interesting i i think second and third is the hard fight for me and, and part of that is i love all three of these games they're all fun yeah 
you know, you were resisting Motor City because oh of the my theme. Gosh. You did not like the title. And then five minutes into the game, I looked over and you're like making really hard decisions that it meant the world to you. And so you were very engaged. So I'm mad at you for making me engage in a car game. Ugh. So these are all really engaging games. And there are, you know, the obvious question is, if, oh, if I own one, do I really need another? And I need all three of these games. They each have their own unique things going on. They're fun to play. You know, we played all three back to back the other day, and that was a blast. I really enjoyed now, it. There's only it, a way to campaign them together. Oh man, now you've given them ideas, right? It's great, but you, you, but yeah. you ran away from your Ranking two and three answer. And oh, I'm won. getting there. So, okay. so, so number one for me is Fleet. I, I just enjoy it every time, and I love teaching it to other people. I actually taught it to some coworkers at lunch today. It was a long lunch because it they were all a little brain burned for the first couple of rounds, but then did you have fish? like did you take no. them out for like the red lobster or something and then play that on the table? No, that would have been thematic. Oh. I can't believe I didn't think of that. But you know, they were all sitting there saying, like, this is a lot to think about, but I love it. And you know, flakes like that. And you know, once you're into it, you can play it really quickly. You know, Adrian and his boyfriend play it, you know, two player games in 25 minutes because yeah. they play it so much. I think right now Motor City is second for me and Three Sisters is third, but I do love Three Sisters. And so they may switch places, you know, as and I just play a, a little Baltimore. bonus thing. So we actually got to play uh, play Three Sisters with a little mini expansion. And how did you get oh, yeah. that done? It came with Motor City. Uh, it came as part of the Motor City campaign. So there's a little rock garden expansion that adds. But one thing I didn't mention, all three of these games are two sheet roll and write games, which is all the rage these days, right? Uh, and the the rock garden adds a third little sheet to three sisters, which is really fun. And you know, it's one of those things like whatever number you picked, you can fill in that number from this little sheet. And if you fill in a row or column, you get one of the bonuses on either side. And it was a fun little extra thing to think about. And you know, I think maybe twice during the game, and some of this is you know maybe not very often because I wasn't used to it. Right, a couple of times I picked a number specifically so I could fill in finish a row or column yeah it's clever no, little it's e evil little marketing that they've done yeah yeah you don't need this to play but you could have it if you buy our car game that's right all right so uh can you get these games i know 20th century 25th century is distributing i know uh definitely both three, three sisters in motor three city I, yeah and motor city don't i don't know, know about fleet. fleet the dice game yeah and i i know yeah. So one of the reasons that I, I delayed as long as I did on doing any content on Three Sisters was I spoke with Chad from 25th Century. And at the time, the summer, he's like, well, we're wait, we need, we're, we're, we're totally sold out of Three Sisters waiting for a reprint. But I think the reprint's in. It's there. I'm pretty sure you can get that. Motor City's just delivering. So I would assume that they have plenty of others to do. I'm sure. And I don't know about Fleet. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I know there was a time when it was out of print. Um, and I don't know the current status of it, but I can't imagine that these three games are going away anytime soon. The best, the best three game analysis on this episode. So thank you for that, Don. All mm -hmm. right, Don, you're stuck with this again. Maybe you remembered this time. Before we go, everybody, please make sure you like, subscribe, share, whatever it is you need to do. If you haven't gotten your copy of Backyard Chickens, make sure you order it. It's there's still some available, and if there's not, Don has 37 cases in his game room. Hit him up; he'll he'll, he'll set you up. 
Um, but Don, before I let you go, what are this episode's words of gaming wisdom? I'm going to say, be nice to your crowdfunding managers. Since we talked about unpleasant crowdfunding experiences, it's a lot of work. And there are a lot of cranky people. And the, the, the folks that we see running these campaigns are incredibly patient with them, but it's just got to wear on them. So I tell you, way more patient than you and I would be, because some, sometimes we'll get in one of the little, our, our chat groups, like something we'll be like, you should say this. no (laughs) no so yeah i just think about the fact that there's a person on the other side of that internet comment you're writing and you know obviously this goes for the entire internet but start with your crowdfunding campaigns if you can't do it all the time be nice in crowdfunding comment sections so there you have everybody delete that trolling comment that you were making and go back $1 on something so you can say something. There you go. Go back a dollar on a campaign just so you can say nice things. How about that? I love that idea. Yeah. Pick something go random. A, yeah, go be aggressively nice. There you go. Yeah. All right, everybody. So like I said, like, subscribe, share, do all those things. As always, if you found this video useful or you enjoyed it or podcast, uh, like, subscribe, and share. As always, thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Can you hear? I hear you. That's a shame. See, I don't know why you want me involved in this. It's either you or I just talk to myself. Though with that terrible sound you have going, I am just talking to myself. Hang on. I'm a $1 backer. I want it now. Are we both wearing the same shirt? Yep. That's going to look silly. I'll go put something else on. We don't need to shill for Peter. All right. We're not getting everything he wants. I'm going to go put another shirt on. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. I want it to look like we're in a uniform or something. Podcast isn't big enough just yet. Not even close. I was going to drink iced tea, and I just could not come up with an interesting way to talk about it other than a long story about the tea bags behind it. Anyway. You just say it's iced tea. Move on. Yeah. Again, not interesting. No, no. Someone watches this.